Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. This week we've got a great speaker. Hope you enjoy it. Good morning, Vine Church. How are you this morning? Can we stand together for a minute? You know the songs the guys sung this morning. See, see, for anybody that preaches, you'll know it's the easiest thing in the world to preach after amazing worship, amazing songs, and amazing leading. And how Alan managed to to um, turn a bad report into such a faith report, I will never know. So for the goodness of God that sent all of these guys, can we just take 30 seconds to applaud as loud as you can the Lord Jesus Christ for the great things, the great things he's done. The great things he's done. And um, stir up some noise. And I know, I know we've sung that song. It's good, eh? I know we've sung that song. In fact, we're going to shake it up some more. Could everybody face that wall, please? Come on, let's shake this thing up. And put your hands on the two muscles behind the person's neck in front of you. Don't kill them. Just ten times. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now turn around that way. Don't kill them. Massage those muscles. Get everybody wake up. Right. Great. Give somebody a high five now and let's, let's uh, take our seats and get ready for the Word of God. Okay. All right. I want to preach this morning on unshakable confidence. The big question I have is this. Is it possible to have unshakable confidence in the greatest of storms, the greatest of trials, the greatest of tests? Is it possible in that moment to be absolutely pulsating with unshakable confidence? As I was driving to Cumbernauld on Friday night to speak to 60 men, I was warned beforehand, some of these men are just out of prison, some have tags on, and some are on their way to prison. And as I was there, my telephone rang, and there was a man, as I was driving through, a professional footballer on the phone, and he was shaken as much as any young man I've ever shaken. And he said... I got to talk. I says, I'm on the way to Cumbernauld, but go ahead. He said, I've just been to my friend's flat. And I meant to go on Thursday. But I just went. He's dead. Stone dead. And I, I've never had a chance to talk to him about faith, Jesus, nothing. And time was short. I says, mate, there's only one thing I know. In these moments, it's to turn to God. So what we're going to do now, we're going to pray. Are you up for a prayer time? I don't even think it hurt the words prayer time. We had most of the wonderful prayer time on the telephone as I was praying that he would come to know the unshakable one. He would come to know how to have confidence when your whole world is shaken. So after I'd given it the best prayer I could possibly give him, I said, are you any better now? And he said, no. <laughs> How many people know your faith in that moment? I said, what do you mean no? He says, well, I'm haunted with a thought. And here is the thought I'm haunted with. I'm haunted with the thought, if I had gone the day before, I could have saved them. I said, oh, no, 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 no. That's not a haunted thought. That's a blessing. You don't want that to go away. I said, do you know why I'm going to Cumbernauld tonight? The priest is 60 men. So that I might just save one. So that one may be saved. You don't want that to go away. And I'll teach you how to get saved. And then you can help others get saved. And I said, that's the reason I'm driving to Cumbernauld tonight. And when I got to Cumbernauld, three young 
men. One of them, whose wife had just died with cancer, young wife left him with a little baby. The whole world was shaken. But in that moment, he stepped out of that shaking world into the unshakable one and gave the life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's give it up for Lord Jesus Christ. This is the big question. Is it possible to have massive, unshakable confidence when every single thing in your life is shaking? And I'm conscious of the fact that in Scripture, there are heroes in the Bible, and all of them have one thing in common. They have a secret that when things shake, they don't shake. They get stronger in the faith and in the confidence. I thought, I've got to drill down deep and get a handle on what is the one thing they do. And I thought, I will go because my mind was on jailbirds at the time. I'll see if I can find a jailbird in the Bible. There are a few. But I found this one who's been in jail for two years. And he's standing before a king to be judged. And he's gone. He's two years in prison. He may have a few coins in his pocket, one or two friends with him. I don't know. But you could rest assured he's a bit stooped now. He's lost all his hair. And the hair that he's got on his beard is now gray. And he's standing before the king. Now come with me. Drill down into this picture because it's gray. His life is hanging in the balance. Because this king is one of the most evil kings who ever lived. He's from a generation of Hitler's, this guy. His name is King Agrippa. And the king, this King Agrippa, get a hold of this, he was the last in, king in the dynasty of the Herods who would mess with the followers of Jesus Christ. Are you following me so far, guys? Following me so far, okay. Now, let's check out his family background, his CV. His great-grandfather was the one Herod who attempted to kill baby Jesus by slaughtering the children of Bethlehem. His granduncle murdered John the Baptist. His father, Agrippa I, executed James and Peter, was imprisoned by him. Put yourself in Paul's place. Standing before him. I think this is what you call a storm. This is what you call a test. But if we drill down into this, we find the secret to unshakable confidence, faith and joy in the greatest of storms. So what did he do? Did he appeal to the king for mercy? Uh-uh. Did he appeal to God for a miracle to deliver him? Uh-uh. Would he throw his toys at the pram and scream like Calamero? This is an injustice. That's what I do sometimes. No. Would he remind the king and people, do you know what, I'm a good man. I've even raised the dead. Would he appeal to that? No. Paul neither attempted to defend himself in this way at all. When storm comes, quit defending yourself. Instead, he gave us an unbelievable belter of the secret to unshakable confidence when a storm rages around you. In Acts 20, it says, and it is now because of my hope in what God promised her ancestors, 
I'm on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. Paul gives us the explosive secret to building your day, your moments, your business, your family on unshakable confidence. And it is this, when the storm comes, you got to have a promise that you're carrying. And Aaron said that brilliantly, and I've wrestled with that little beautiful story, Jesus, about the unwise man had built on the sand. And the wise man had built on the rock. But I got an insight to this week. Because to build on sand means this. When the bad news comes, you build on the circumstance. I do it all the time. And when the bad news comes, whether it comes in the form of fear, anxiety, disappointment, betrayal, financial struggle, sickness, whenever you put your focus on that and appeal to that, that's the sand. That's the sand. And when you build on the sand of circumstances, the storm takes you down. But what would happen every single time a bad thought, a bad news, disappointment, rejection came to you? You had a promise. You were carrying a promise. And you blitzed it in that promise. You blitzed it with the promise. You get a tax bill you can't afford. I shall lack no good thing. When you smack it in the face with that, you're building on the promises of the living God. One young student counted the promises. I think the student got to the number of about 7,400 promises in the Bible to fill you and me with unshakable confidence in every situation. How many can you remember? How many do you use? It's brilliant to go to work with your piece in your Tupperware or your smoothie in your other container. But if you have a promise, my encouragement is never go into a day, never go into a situation, never go into a, a, a business deal, never go anywhere without carrying a promise for the situation of the day because God has given an amazing promise for every single one of your situations. So I see the sand and the storm story of Jesus and the house in a whole new way now. And it's even more exciting because you and I get to feed on the promises of God, build on the promises of God. The band didn't know I was preaching this today. They knew nothing about the promises, but, but they sang a song, probably the song that we've sung most about the promises called Do It Again, Lord. And here's the thing. Abraham, he's the best part of a hundred years of age. It's not looking like he's got anyone to carry his name on. It's not looking like he's got any legacy. It's not looking like the storm of childlessness is ever going to vanish. But I found something in the Message Bible I want to share with you that drives this home. We find in Romans 4, Abraham is not panicking. Is anybody like me, you sometimes panic when bad news comes? Come on, anybody else? Uh, I'm the only one, right? I'm the only one, right? All right. When bad news comes to your children, you know, that's worse. Come on. You know, if, if your kid gets sick, how many people panic at that and want to kill somebody? Come on. Let me tell you, I've got great news for you if you've got children. When you get grandchildren, it's worse. You worry about them even more. <laughs> it's hilarious, but it's brilliant. He didn't panic. He didn't shake. He didn't rave at the injustice 
of being childless. Romans 4 puts it into one of the best phrases I think I've ever heard in my life. It says that he plunged into, write this down if you've got a bit of paper, he plunged, in the message Bible says, he plunged into the promise of God. Everybody here knows about the promises of God. We've all read and did them, but this thing, I think it, what nails me, and I just pray it nails somebody else, but anyway, let me see. Verse 20, in the message verse, and this is what it says, brilliant. It's brilliant. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautious, skeptic questions. He plunged into the promise of God and came up strong. Oh, my goodness me. He plunged into the promise. What if every time a storm came, bad news came, a difficult came, sickness, you plunged so deep into the promises of God, even speaking it out, repeating it a hundred times a day, but you plunged down into the rock-solid base of the promise of God until you come up strong. Oh, my goodness me. It says that he plunged into the promise of God and he came up strong, ready for God. Sure that God would make good on what he said. Michael almost preached my whole sermon when he got up here because he did such a brilliant job driving this very thing home. When everything is shaking around you, that's not the time to plunge into tears and, oh, everything's going wrong and I'll never get through. And we all do. But that's a time to take hold of your faith. Why does God allow these storms? He allows these storms so that we go deeper in our faith, deeper in our confidence and trust in God, and we are prepared for the promised land that he's promised us. How many of you have had a vision in your life, a dream in your life? I went to another country, Guyana, thinking, oh man, I have a dream, and I get there, oh my goodness me. How many people know this? How many people know that? When God gave Joseph a dream, I don't know if I've said this before, if I have then, I maybe repeat myself. When he gave him a dream, he didn't give him the premiere of the movie. Do you know that? He did what every good trailer does in a Hollywood movie, just showed him the good bits. <laughs> when God gave him that dream, you know, the, the moon, the stars, and every other punt on there is going to bow down to you. That was that. That was that. That was that. You only got a trailer. How many of you, being like me, spent 49 quid to take your wife and the family to the movies because you watched a trailer? You're halfway through the cop. You're not even halfway through the popcorn and the movie's minging. It's murder. You just blew 49 sheets, but you pretend to the kids you're enjoying it. A strange thing happens when you're a grandfather. When you're a father, the children are asking you, what's happening now, Dad? What's happening now, Dad? What's happening now, Dad? And you'll be going, be quiet, be quiet, quiet. When you become a grandfather, it's the opposite way around. The movies are that fast. You're saying to the kids, hey, what's happening now? What's happening now? What's happening now? And the grandkids are going, grand, be quiet and stop interrupting the movie. Give it up for grandkids, guys. Come on. <laughs> I was like, but I don't know what's going on. Toy story and goodness knows what. What if this week you made a radical decision that every trial, every test, every disappointment, everything for you and your family, you saw it as a gift, an opportunity to plunge deep into a promise of God and develop your confidence, your faith and trust in God like never before. Now I'm going to begin going through the 7,400 promises in the next five minutes for you. No, I'm just kidding. But I've chosen seven. Can we turn to Proverbs 3? I've chosen seven crackers. And do you know what? The Bible says we're heirs of the promise. We're heirs of the promise. The promise, we're heirs of it. And the promises are for us. They're for us to build their life on. And so, I'll fire through these, all right, very quickly. My son, don't forget my teaching. The 
keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life and bring you peace and prosperity. That's not a bad promise, guys. Peace and prosperity. Next one, verse 3. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind it around your neck. Write them on the tab tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God in man. Your father, who loves you to bits, is promising you favor in the eyes of your God and man. I could stop there. I, well, that would do me for the day. But it gets better. Trust in the Lord, verse 5, with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun the devil. <laughs> Holland and Barrett, if they could put a price on this and put this in a tablet, they would, but it's better. It don't just fix the body, it fixes the soul, fix the spirit. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Does anybody else in this room take a daily vitamin pill? Come on. Okay. Brilliant. How many take a promise pill every day? How many take a promise pill? I tell the wife to take one regularly just in case she's pregnant. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking, right? Just joking. It's all right to say that when you're retired. Couldn't say that when I was a pastor. Next one, brilliant. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your crops. I love this one. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I sent this to a businessman this week. He said, Jimmy, this is so freaky because I've needed a massive financial breakthrough and I had no idea where it was going to come from. And I realized I've been making a giant mistake with my VAT to the tune of 60 grand a year. So as from next year, I'll be 60 grand a year better off. I was just saying your vats will overthrow. What he heard was VAT. Come on, guys. God sense of humor, eh? Come on, give it up for God. Give it up for God. Honor. Next one. Don't despise the Lord's discipline. Do not set, resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those who he loves. As a father, the son he delights. Next one. Blessed are those who find wisdom. You'll notice every single one of these has a condition. And if you don't, miss, if you don't meet the condition, you don't get the blakers and the breakthrough. So if he says be humble and you're going to be proud, then he switched off the tap of blessing. So every single one has a condition. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gives understanding, for she's more profitable than silver and, and yields better returns than gold. Elma and I went to the bank recently and said, if we got a few quid and we put it in here, what's the return? They were like, 0.45 of a percent. <laughs> They're like, you know, I don't even get a packet of fags with that, mate. Not that I smoke. I was like, aye, but it's better. It can go up to 4.48 if you... One, two. He's walking in unshakable confidence. Mine just went right in my boots. Every single promise is to take you to a deeper level in your love and your trust of this Father who put in his book 7,400 plus promises, every one with a condition. 
And everyone's saying, this is how much I love you. I want to bless you. But if you'll build on these, if you'll build on these rock and not build on the circumstance, not build on the disappointment, not build on the depression and fear, but if you will believe it, speak it, expect it, and live as if God's already answered your prayer. I just thought it would be good if I could home in on one of these. In the light of what Alan has just shared, um, with a financial storm. And here's the thing. God has promised to take care of all that. If, see, the number one question, many questions people ask, when people come into this building and they see what we've done in different countries, they've said, where do you get your financial support? Who gave you grants? Who supported you? And like someone said earlier, no one, next to no one. Do you know how it was done? Because people believed the word of God. People, a few handfuls of believers when we started, they believed in the principle of the first fruits. Of their finance, they tithed. They, gave, they believed that all their finance belonged to God and they would take 10% and give it to God. They believed the first fruits of the week, Sunday morning, as we've chosen it to be, is God's. So faithfully they showed up here like young Paul Tullett. Where is he? He's probably away serving in the back. Is Paul here? He's in the back. Half eight, nine o'clock here this morning. Twelve solid years. He's first in the door. And nine times out of ten, you can't get in that door without him slipping you a wee bar of chocolate, a bottle of water. This guy gets it. Give it up for Paul Tullett. And I hope he's watched the listener. He gets it. But he, the believers that came with us, unbelievable faithfulness, loyalty. They gave in the time. They gave in the first part of their week, the first part of their finance, the first part of their day in worship and prayer. They understood the first fruits principle. And then when you obey that principle, God opens heaven and pours out a flood into your vats. It was delightful to meet my young friend in Cabernet on Friday night, Ryan. No one I know has caught this more. 20 years ago, heroin addict. Terrible mess, terrible conditions, terrible situation. And I used to meet him. And I thought, I'm not, you know, you, let's be honest, there are some guys you meet and you're not sure they're going to make it in Jesus. Now, it wasn't because of his heroin. It was because of the Celtic strip he was wearing. I wasn't sure. I thought, woofed. <laughs> but I talked to Ryan on Friday night. How's it going, Ryan? I already knew because on the front page of the national newspapers, Ryan has just had a three million pound turnover in his business. I said to his pastor, what's his secret? He said, he's the most generous giving young man I've ever met in my whole life to God, to his people, and to the poor. I said, Ryan, you're some man. He says, I'm taking you to Glen Eagles for your lunch on Wednesday. Now I know you're a man of God, I said. Now I know. <laughs> Ryan. And I says, how did you do that, son? He says, I just make pieces. He says, I've got lawyers that are making pennies. And he said, I made three million making pieces on ham and cheese. He's actually kidding. He's actually doing like royal banquets for weddings, corporates, big hotels, golf, that stuff, the whole shebang. He's a young man who had nothing, but he gave. I had a problem with the whole giving thing. And I made a decision never to look at the church finance Never to find out who was tithing and not. Never to find out who was giving and not. Because I wanted to treat everybody the same. And I, I wanted people to know my focus is not on money or sucking somebody dry. Because I've always believed I've never in 40 years had to drive people to give. 
I've always focused on the goodness of God in people's hearts. And when you believe in people and you focus on the goodness of God and you present a need, the goodness of God rises up. And all for 40 years, the believers in the Vine Church have given and carried us through the greatest of storms. Give it up for them. And so, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this church day that's coming up. Because it's not an opportunity. Guys, God doesn't even need me or my money or my house. He doesn't need it. He can do it without me. But he's given me an opportunity to be part of his unshakable kingdom and his unshakable mission on this earth. He's given us a glorious opportunity to be part of it. But I still had problems with giving. I still had problems asking people for money. When you grow up knocking your neighbor's doors, asking for a loaf of bread, and they say no, trust me, you got to hang up with asking believers for money. And I grew up with that. I know what it's like. But here's what happened. Adrian and I went to Guyana one time. And you know, like I was saying earlier, when you have a vision, trust me, when God gives you a vision, it's just a trailer. It's just a trailer. It's not the premier of the movie. How many of you ladies walk down the aisle after eight hours preparation, sparkling, and who's waiting for you at the bottom of the aisle? The most drop-dead gorgeous Hugo Boss. You're there with all your amazing curves. He's there just like that. Ah, he's like that. You're all like, he's like that. How many ladies know that was just a trailer? <laughs> Come on. He smelled like Hugo Boss. He looked like Hugo Boss. He dreamt like Hugo Boss. He wore like Hugo Boss. Ten years later, you look across the bed. He's no shaved. He's snoring. He's not smelling like Hugo Boss anymore. In fact, his belly's that big, it's the size of Boss Hogs. Come on, give it up for God. Come on. You slim guys. Come on, you slim guys. Have mercy on us. And so when people have problems in their marriage, they're like, what's happening? Guys, you only signed up for the trailer. When Joseph got that trailer, there was no pets, prisons, betrayals, brothers stitching them up. God left all, all that stuff. And when God takes you somewhere or gives you a dream and a vision, you got to understand he only gives you the beginning and the end. Joseph, you got the color, you're the man. That's the beginning. The end, you're going to be ruling and reigning. But he didn't say in between times there is prisons and famines and floods and tests of every single kind you can imagine. Because God has to put us through these tests. 40 years an example of the Israelites. Because if he doesn't put us through the tests, we won't be able to handle the blessing when we get there. Can we give it up for God? Come on. One young man, one young man, he's praying, 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 and he's facing a seven million pounds fraud charge. Seven million pounds fraud charge. He's going through the storm. And t- he'd come here, he'd lie in the back and cry his eyes out like a baby, crying out to God, crying out to God. He's looking at a minimum of three, possibly up to 12 years. We prayed with him, we fasted, he's leaning on God, he's pressing on God, and he's trusting God, and guess what? One day, the CID knocked his door, and they said, you know what, your friend is getting done for eight years, but we don't have enough evidence on you, we're going to let you off. Guess what? He's in the promised land, but the promised land destroyed him because he wasn't ready for it. Guess what he did? You'd think he'd be here every week serving like Paul and loving God and doing, do you know what he did? Left his wife, left his business, left his kids, shacked up with another woman, married her, abandoned his wife, abandoned his kids, abandoned his God, abandoned the church. Don't ever panic when God puts you through a test. Because I used to think I was being tested when Aaron would puke all through the night as a baby and I got no sleep. I used to think I was being tested. I used to think I was being tested when the wife's facing that wall and not facing me in the bed. I used to think it's just a test. I used to think it was a test when 
there wasn't enough money at the end of the week. You used to think it was a test. I used to think it was a test when the car broke down. Oh, God, this test. I used to think all kinds were a test. Do you know what the real test is? The real test is not when you're in failure. The real test is when you're in blessing. The real test is when things are going well for you. Because I could list 100 young people who don't even follow God anymore, but they were on their knees when they had a need. Cry now. We fasted, we prayed, we fasted, we prayed. I don't mean people going to other churches. There's many great guns have done that. But I'm talking about people who don't even have any to do with God, the blessing of God, don't bring their children to God, just gone. And all the time they were there in need. But when they got that little miss curve, the great news is, guys, when you went down the aisle, you married this. And at that time, you were this. But now if you stand that way in the mirror, you can see you're matching your partner now. <laughs> Give it up for God. No, line. come on, come on, come on. That's all right. It's not about fun, guys. Here's the thing. Adrian and I were in a shack. Help me shout out, Adrian, if I get the story wrong, because I tend to do that. Yeah, you tend to. And, but we're in a house in Bartica with a pastor to the Amerindians in Guyana. This was a shack. If I remember right, Adrian went to the toilet, but I think it had fallen through the floor. Is that correct? There was something right with the floor. The toilet's in the kitchen, by the way. I wouldn't hot, and the ladies are preparing the meals, and you're trying to, you know, bless the river forth. <laughs> Quietly. TMI. Too much information. And so, the next morning, I'm looking at it. I don't think I've been in a poorer house in my life. I don't think I've been in a poorer situation in my life. I don't think I'm. The, the, the mother had a huge sore on her leg. They were struggling to get treated because they had no money. She's suckling a pretty much young baby. I think it was at least three other kids. We'd, we had, in the midst of all this, we had incredible fun and laugh. We're here to minister. We come down for breakfast, and if I remember right, Adrian, there was a pot of tea and two boiled eggs. Might be one or two. Can you remember? You think it was, it'd be helpful if you can't remember, Adrian, because I can just make it up then. You know? <laughs> but I think there was two boiled eggs. And I'm like, how are we going to work this one out? Is this breaking, breaking bread and breaking egg here? So you've got all these hungry bits of bairns at the table. And a hungry father. We were hungry, but how many of you know you've just lost your hunger? Because you're wondering, where are the two boiled eggs going to go? One was for Adrian... And one was for me. And you're like, no danger. Come eat that egg. Bairns sitting watching you, hungry bairns, suckling mother, father. And we're like, no, we don't get it, we don't get it, we don't get it. We can't eat those eggs. And you're aware the more you say that, the more you're caring, causing offense. But they taught me something. Poor people understand that rich people don't. The way to get yourself out of poverty is to give yourself out of it. Let's give it up for God now. And there's 101 ways to give, guys. Ian, Dora, I hope you don't mind. Wave your hand if you, you do mind me sharing the story. We talked about Muriel. Panic. Ian's just had a heart attack. Don't worry, we raised the dead in this church, Ian. You mentioned a little thing from many years ago about Muriel. Am I allowed to mention that again? Go ahead. Again, try to get the story right. We were talking about the day our founding delightful members, Muriel and Adrian, back in the day when, the day that, you know, she's believing God, but the baby's born. The son uh, didn't live. And Ian was telling me something I never knew. I don't know how many, year, how many years ago was that, Adrian? 37, 30 years ago, and Ian filled in a blank for me because I knew that Muriel did not fall to pieces with shaking confidence. But Ian told me just last week or the other week there that a friend at work called Ivor, who I know, and a consultant were all talking about this woman 
who's just lost her baby, and she's on her feet, comforting other mothers in the ward who've lost their baby. Guys, that's somebody that understands when you've got nothing, that's the best thing to give. Give it up for our founding guys. What a... Ian, you can delete any bits of the tape that have no go right, anyway. But that's pretty much pass for parcel, Ian, eh? Was, was it a consultant and Ivor? Right. There's wee bits of sentences you need to tweak. But anyway, I like to get stories right after getting them wrong for 40 years. <laughs> but it's important. Because when he said that, it hit me. And it reminded me. Never again to feel God's pressure on somebody when he's asked them to give. Nobody told her to do that. Nobody made her do it. But when you have God inside you and his unshakable confidence, even in the moment your son dies, you can have a supernatural strength and a power. And even though you've only got a little touch of oil left like the widow or a little mite left, you can step into the unshakable promises of God and find somebody else, somebody else that has a need and bless them. I think it deserves a second applause. Come on, guys. Can we stand for a moment? Can we stand for a moment? You see, the poor people of Guyana understood Luke 6 like nobody else I know. Can we have the band back up, please? And can we just do it again, maybe? They understood you can never outgive God. And Luke says, it says, give and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It'll be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. And I thank God for all the faithful saints down through years in the vine that made this possible because that's what they did. And so, in a moment, I want us to sing that song. But I'm conscious of the fact some of you may be in a situation like Callum Leask was a few weeks ago where hope was being shaken, faith was being shaken. Got the shock of my life when I called him yesterday. Can't speak long, Jimmy, he says, with a strong voice. I'm on the way to my friend's wedding. Oh, my goodness me. Come on, give it up for God on that. He's been hanging by a thread for a long time. Unshakable confidence was in his voice. And guys, I would love it if we could do what D.L. Moody once said. He says, build your life on the promises of God for one month and you will never know what poverty is again in your whole life. Build your life on the promises of God, but don't tiptoe through the tulips on them. Don't, oh, we promise. You've got to dig deep in them. You've got to plunge them. You've got to smack that thing. I will lack no good thing. Jesus in testing, he smacked the devil's lies with the word of God. Why do you think somebody would risk three generations of children going to prison camps in Korea? Why? Think about it. Please, please, please think about it. Because the Koreans who don't even have a Bible know there's dynamite in that Bible. There are promises in that Bible. And if they could get their hands on it, they could build their life on it and they could transform themselves, their families, and their nation. My goodness me. When you take your child to Toys R Us for the first time, you're filled with emotion as their eyes are like saucers and you're praying they only want a wee toy under 20 quid. Mixture of emotions. You want to bless them as big as you can, but 20 quid's your limit. Mixture of emotions. Their eyes are like saucers looking at everything. The Word of God is a Toys R Us for Christians. 
has got shelf upon shelf upon shelf loaded up to the gunnels with every single promise. Awesome promises. For God causes all things. Suck that one up, guys. Please, suck. Let's suck it to plunge. For God causes all things to work for good to those who know God. Come on, suck it up deep, guys. When Aaron told me we are a thousand, few thousand pounds losing a month, I didn't pray that God would fix that few thousand. No, 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 no. Because here's the thing. If you believe the promises in God, you don't pray according to your need. You pray according to the promise. And if the promise says our vats are overflowing and the barns are going to overflow, then we're going to stand on that promise and believe that we'll be 6K a month plus next year as a church so we can give more to the poor and more to the orphan and more to the widow and more to the battered wives and more, more, more giving. Some of you are in a storm right now and you're like, I get it, I get it. But I feel them in chains. I feel, I want to dive, I want to plunge deep, but I've just got some chains on me at the moment of depression. I've just got some change, chains on me of disappointment. I've just got some chains on me of fear. I've just got some chains on me at the moment of financial lack. With every eye closed, if that's you, quickly raise your hand. I'm going to pray and break these chains. Come on. If you feel you're in chains. One. Anybody else? Two. Anybody else? Three, four, five. Now when I pray and break these chains, six, you've got a decision to make. To go out here and plunge into the lack or plunge into the promises of God. And from this moment on, you're never going to speak lack again, fear again. You're going to speak out. You're going to smack it with the promise of God. My God shall supply your needs according to his riches in glory. Oh, come on, guys. Come on. Come on. The anointing is here. The Holy Spirit is here. The power is God here. With every eye closed, Lord Jesus Christ, I take authority over every chain of depression every chain of disappointment, every chain of fear, every chain of depression, every chain of suicide, every chain of worry, every chain of stress, every single chain, together with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we break these chains, we break these curses, and we break these powers. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, And with every eye closed, I want you to grab a promise now. Think of a promise. If you can't think of one, I'll give you one right now. The whole chapter is a promise. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Oh my goodness me. If that's all you say for the next month, a hundred times a day, watch the spiritual transformation in your spirit, mind, body and family if you don't know Jesus today and this is all a bit weird for you but you're like you know what I still need this Jesus I need to know this promise keeper I need to know this unshakable way of doing things with every eye closed if that's you and you want to follow this man Jesus who's never failed to break a single promise. If that's you, very, very quickly, just quickly raise one hand and we're going to pray. We're not going to embarrass nobody. We're just going to pray. There's one. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else, guys? Anybody else? Lord Jesus Christ, say this prayer after me, guys, for this one wonderful soul. Lord Jesus Christ, I don't want to shake no more. I don't want to shake in fear. I don't want to shake in sin. And I don't want to shake in isolation, loneliness. I want to know you, the promise keeper, Jesus. 
and ask you to forgive me for all my sins as I forgive every person that's ever sinned against me. In this moment, I give my life to you. I give my life to you. And I'm never going to build my life on the devil's lies, the devil's sand, the devil's circumstances, the devil's fears. I'm not going to speak like, believe like, and think like. I'm going to speak that my vats and my barns from this moment on are going to overflow with the love, the goodness, the kindness, the healing, and the blessing and resources of the living God. Prepare yourselves, guys, for the heart for the house to come and bless the Lord and bless his house like you've never done before. But in the meantime, I challenge you to one month, one month of never leaving the house without a rock in your pocket. Don't leave the house without a promise for the day you're going to build your day on. Watch the difference. Watch the miracles as the promise keeper backs up his word every single time you put your trust in him and speak out the promises of the living God. And once you've learned all 7,400 off by heart, come and see me because I need you to pray for me. I can remember about three at any given time. But I pray, guys, you have the best week ever, the best year ahead, the best Christmas, and you come to know your God even more as a forgiving, loving Father that is the number one promise keeper in history. His name is Jesus Christ. For 30 seconds, would you give it up with applause as loud as you can? He won't fail you. He won't fail you. He won't fail you. Come on, guys. Get into the joy. Get into the joy of his promises. Get it. Stir up that joy in you. Stir up the hope in you. Come on. Wash that depression off you. Kick that fear off you. Kick that worry. Don't wait on the circumstances to tell you what's going to happen. Don't wait to see what's in your bank account next week. Don't wait. You speak it into being now. You prophesy into being now. You speak the blessing of the situation now. And live in the promises of God for the rest of your life. God bless you.